Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And you can also read my regular CBSSports.com column in Agent's Take on NFL contracts and salary cap matters. This week, we're going to look at two things, the Green Bay Packers' dilemma with Devontae Adams, and also what is next for Juwan James. Um, Devontae Adams weighed in on Aaron Rodgers' discontent with the Green Bay Packers in an interview with Colin Cowherd last week. He raised some eyebrows when he said, it doesn't mean potentially I'd be gone, but I definitely have to do some extra thinking if my guy wasn't there um, when asked to evaluate his future in Green Bay. Um, That could mean a couple of things. Um, From a player's perspective, I could see how they could draw the conclusion that if an organization is willing to alienate Aaron Rodgers, then the same is going to happen to me. The last thing the Packers want is that type of thought gaining traction because that can be devastating to team building. Um, We saw that happen with the second three-peat Bulls um, back in the late 90s. Um, Going into the third three-peat season, General Manager Jerry Krause had said that this team go 82-0, and I'm not bringing them back. Phil Jackson won't be the coach. Um, Unusual take for a team that's winning championships. Um, That stance by Jerry Krause led to Michael Jordan's retirement, and Phil Jackson was gone, and Scottie Pippen bolted. So did Dennis Rodman. And free agents looked at that for a few years immediately after their departure and was like, hey, you're going to treat Michael Jordan like that? Man, how are you going to treat me? So that's the last thing uh, Green Bay wants to gain hold. Um, As a former agent, my thought was, this is Devontae Adams saying, you know what? (laughs) If I'm going to have to put up with an unproven quarterback in Jordan Love uh, go for a basis to stay here, (laughs) you're going to have to pay me a premium. Um, Adams is in a contract year. 2021 is the final year of the four-year extension he signed at the end of the 2017 regular season. It was a four-year, $58 million extension. Um, he's scheduled to make $13.25 million um, in the final year of his contract. He's got a cap number of $16,787,500. Adams' first team All-Pro in 2020 was arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Caught 115 passes last year, which is a Green Bay Packers record. Uh, had 1,374 receiving yards. Uh, led the NFL with um, 18 touchdowns, which also tied a Green Bay Packers record of Sterling Sharps, and led the NFL in 98.1 receiving yards per game. He's going to turn 29 in December, currently 28. He he already has a case to be the highest-paid receiver in football um, based on last year. So I don't expect this to be an easy negotiation whether Aaron Rodgers has a long-term future in Green Bay or not, highest-paid receiver by average yearly salary, and that's going to be more important metric with Green Bay than other teams because of the way Green Bay does contracts. That in Green Bay, 
they don't do them conventionally. Um, there are three teams who operate like Green Bay. Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers are the other two. And the only guaranteed money in a Green Bay Packer contract is signing bonus, unless your name is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is the only guy, quarterback exception, that has conventional guarantees, base salary guarantees, or roster bonus guarantees. Other than that, um, Green Bay has these roster bonuses third, fifth day of the league year in the second and third contract years to substitute as guarantees, but aren't secured. So you can still get cut. Ask Nick Perry about that. Um, a couple of years ago, happened to him, had a roster bonus, didn't get it, cut. So structure is going to be a little bit different. So that necessity would be on any extension of Devontae Adams is going to be a huge signing bonus. Now, highest paid receivers, uh, Devontae, uh, DeAndre Hopkins signed a two-year extension last year of Arizona right before the regular season started, made him highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL at $27.25 million per year, $54.5 million over two years. And deals are done in new money. When you negotiate a contract that when a guy has years left on his deal, negotiations are over the new money in how many years. That's what the negotiation is about. That was every veteran contract I had for plot guy had remaining time on it was primarily over those two things. Obviously, how much money is going to be guaranteed and so forth. But in Green Bay's case, that's a secondary issue because of the structure. Number two was Julio Jones at $22 million per year. The two other guys in the $20 million per year receiver club, Keenan Allen at $20.025 million per year and Amari Cooper at $20 million per year. Now, it's hard to believe that if the Packers and Devontae Adams can't get a deal done, that he won't get a franchise tag. He would fall under the 120% provision of franchise tags. The franchise tag, the, the formula number is going to be irrelevant in his case. And the calculation is basically you go 120% of his salary and there's certain bonuses you exempt out like workout bonuses. So that means you're working off of 16.35 million. 120% of that is 19.62 million. Then you add back in the workout bonus after you do the 120% calculations. So so franchise tag in 2022 for Devontae Adams is going to be 20.12 million. So one big problem with that. Green Bay has the worst cap situation in the NFL for 2022. They've got According to NFLPA data, of 33 players under contract, 221,393,875 dollars in cap commitments for 2022. And Bills GM Brandon Bean recently said something enlightening. Um, he, in addition to a statement about uh, cutting a player to want to get vaccinated, he said that the uncertainty about having stadiums at full capacity was affecting cap planning in that the bills were using 195 to 200 million as a projection for the 2022 salary cap. So the notion that because the media rights deals were done, 22 salary cap was going to take some massive jump. Not true. If he's using that is a, uh, barometer for a 2022 salary cap 
you can imagine it's not out of step with other NFL teams. So the cap's probably not going to get much more above where it was in 2019, 198.2 million. So that being said, Green Bay is going to have an overage of maybe by the time it's all said and done, and you have your full um, top 51 accounting, which is all that counts during the offseason, 40 to 45 million overage. Um, yeah, that's significant, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to what the Saints were this year. They had to shed about $100 million in cap commitments just to be compliant. Then you have to $40 million overage, not including a franchise tag for Devontae Adams, because I can't imagine that they would not franchise him and let him walk out the door for a third-round compensatory pick only in 2023. Some people have said, well, his trade value would be close to the third round defense story pick would be close to the trade value for um, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, that's not a very good barometer, at least in my opinion, because consensus opinion is that the Arizona Cardinals fleece the Houston Texans and that, and that DeAndre Hopkins straight and just refresh your memory. It was DeAndre Hopkins in a 2024th round pick for David Johnson, a 2022nd round pick and a 2021 fourth round pick. Uh, the Stefan Diggs trade a couple of days later, or I mean, um, right around that same time, may be more indicative of the Devontae Adams trade value, provided he doesn't fall off a cliff this year if push came to shove, if you wanted to tag and trade him. That's um, Stefan Diggs went from Minnesota to Buffalo. Stefan Diggs in a 2027 round pick for a 2021st round pick, a fifth round pick a sixth-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. So you should be able to get a pretty decent haul um, for Devontae Adams. Now, knowing what Devontae Adams would want, and if you're not willing to pay it, do you make a preemptive strike <laughs> and do like an NBA team when there's a signability issue? <laughs> you trade a guy sooner rather than later. <laughs> and if you're going to trade Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there long-term, this is last year, and you're going to shift to um, Devontae Adams. That'd be something to consider. If Aaron Rodgers is still here in 2021, and you went ahead and made a preemptive strike and traded his receiver, that would further alienate him, his his one target. Because if you look at his production uh, relative to the rest of the receivers on the Green Bay Packers, it is just downright crazy that all the other receivers – on the team, just wide receivers, not tight ends, not running backs catching passes, 88 catches, 1,390 yards, 11 touchdowns, 86.9 yards per game. He is the passing game as far as receivers are concerned. And Green Bay doesn't have a large history in recent years of paying receivers on a third contract. Um, Greg Jennings was turning 30, let him go in 2013, but they also had Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson there. He went to uh, the Vikings. Randall Cobb, 29, when he left after the 2018 season, he'd been unproductive uh, the past couple of years. Jennings was coming off an injury plague year. Jordy Nelson did get a third contract, which took him from ages uh, 29, 32 is what he played under, got the extension in the final year of his contract, was coming off a year of 85 catches, 1,314 yards, and eight receiving touchdowns. So Green Bay really doesn't have any other major contributor in the passing game, which also 
helps his leverage, but it would have to be a pretty penny to take care of him. And if you want to stick a French, if you want to go year to year, second franchise tag in 2023 would be 24.044 million. Now, Green Bay's got some ways to shed salary cap room if they want to keep him long term. Adams, that is. First is if Aaron Rodgers is gone, that takes care of 22.648 million in cap space. That's what you get if he's not on the books. In 2022, and then 2023 wipes out a salary as well. You've got Zadarius Smith, who's got the third highest cap number for an edge rusher, and Green Bay's pretty cap heavy at 28.13 million. Um, only thing is, he's 30 last year of the deal. Do you do an extension? If you're going to create cap room, it's going to be adding four dummy voidable years. Do you leave him alone? Um, I got to say, Preston Smith would be as good as gone. $19.75 million cap hit. If he, Unless he just has a career year, you gain $2.5 million of cap room from him. Um, Kenny Clark, whose deal that they have not um, restructured yet, $20.65 million cap hit in 2022, fifth largest cap number for an interior defensive lineman. Um, you could convert $13 million or so, pick up $10.4 million of cap room if you put two voiding dummy years um, in his deal to stretch out the proration as far as possible. I'm assuming David Bakhtiari will get restructured again. He's got the third highest offensive lineman cap number, $22,768,014. If you don't add any dummy years and you do close to a maximum conversion, you're going to get close to $8 million in cap space from him. Jerry Alexander will be in a contract year. Fifth year option, thirteen point two nine four million. You can chop his option year salary down to his league minimum. Convert the rest into signing bonus. You should get anywhere from six to eight million in cap room, depending upon um, how big of a signing bonus. So there are ways that Green Bay can work around this. But the most obvious thing is, from a cap standpoint, keeping Aaron Rodgers in twenty twenty two. Difficult and also DeAndre, I mean, um, Devontae Adams at the same time. So, Green Bay typically for guys that they want to keep will get a deal done, be well in advance of free agency. Um, Kenny Clark was done before the start of the regular season last year, Bakhtiari in the middle of the season. So, we'll see if Adams gets done before the regular season starts. If this thing drags out in the middle of the drags out through the season and he's playing well and we still don't know the certainty of Aaron Rodgers. Does he want to take his chances and just kind of wait and see? I suspect Green Bay still franchises him and then goes from there. Would it be a tag and trade? I don't know, but if you want Devontae Adams on a long-term basis on an extension where it's essentially years 29 when he's 30, 31, 32, so to speak. I don't see how you're getting it for anything under $25 million per year. And if I'm him, I want to be the highest paid non-quarterback, which is also the highest paid receiver. So we're talking basically $27.5 million per year on an extension for Devontae Adams. Will it get done? I don't know. But this is the secondary issue to the primary issue, which is trying to mend fences with Aaron Rodgers. What's up? It's Mike Jones from the Football Jones Podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with Inside the Cap, but once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast, 
Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. The Juwan James situation took a another turn on Friday when the Denver Broncos released Juwan James from the non-football injury list. As you know, James tore his Achilles tendon working out away from the Denver Broncos facility. Um, he had been reportedly working out at the facility, but left on the advice of the NFLPA in their dispute with the NFL over the existence of off-season workouts um, where part of their rationale is due to COVID that we don't, there really shouldn't have been off-season workout programs just like last year, so they should be virtual. Um, he had a tweet um, Friday that if you're going to advise us, advise all of us, then you need to have our backs on the other end of this. Um, the implications of this is since he's being released for post one designation, um, that one, they don't have to pay his salary. Uh, there's that memo sent out on May 5th reminding um, everybody, NFL clubs and more, I think it was more, the audience are really players, that injuries sustained by a player outside of working out there on a location other than NFL considered, considered non-football injuries. So your skill injury guarantee, your skill, injury, and cap guarantees don't apply, and you don't have project protections under paragraph 9 of your player contract where you're entitled to medical care, and for the season of injury only, you get paid. So this puts James between a rock and a hard place because uh, he was scheduled to make $9.85 million this year. Um, he had a $150,000 advance off of his salary, um, because he opted out last year. Um, he did have a 2022 injury guarantee, which $5 million, which was going to become fully guaranteed on the fifth day of the league year. Kiss that goodbye. Um, there's been some talk that he would have gotten the 17th game check, which would have been about $588,000, but he wasn't going to be eligible for that anyway, being on NFI, non-football injury list that one of the stipulations of that besides having a contract that was in existence before the new CBA was ratified not doing any major alterations a simple restructure is fine that you had to be on the 52-man roster injury reserve as of the 17th game to get the payment for the 17th game or terminated previously and been eligible for termination pay which he clearly is not in this case so he's out the 9.85 million um, base salary, they don't have to provide a medical care. I suspect that the Broncos are taking this hardline stance with him at the direction of the NFL because they want to send a message in this whole fight with the uh, NFLPA where he's going to be made an example of. They easily could have kept him on the on, on reserve NFI and then decided on a week-to-week basis whether they want to pay him or not. But the cap consequences of the post one designation are that he's going to count on the cap for now. And come June 2nd, he's only going to, there's only going to be a $3 million dead money charge. 
and $6 million dead money charge in 2022, and he's off their books. I suspect that he's going to file a grievance through the NFLPA. This doesn't look like, in my opinion, it's going to be a grievance where he's got a great shot of prevailing. It's is fair or not, it's been a pretty well-established fact that if you don't work out at a team facility or you get hurt in the offseason, you get hurt or you get hurt and it's not under direction, supervision, control or the team, they can do stuff like this. Uh, granted, in a lot of cases, really you're doing a more hazardous activity and basketball has been one of the major activities. First case of a basketball player I remember is Nate Odoms years ago. Um, tearing an ACL. And the strange thing is years ago, and you never see this happen today, that NFL teams had off-season basketball teams which would go and play other NFL teams or play teams in the community. The Cowboys used to do this. The 49ers used to do this. That's That was right when salary cap was coming into existence. That's a disaster waiting to happen, so you'd never see that happen nowadays. But he could take the approach. Uh, one of the arguments could be that this was – quasi-approved or the Broncos gave him a workout to do, so it was their tacit approval because it was designed by them. Or he could make an argument that this is retaliation because he opted out last year for for COVID reasons. So they are retaliating against him um, in terms of taking the uh, exercising their rights to the fullest extent. Um, I think part of the reason they're going this way is that, one, when they signed him, they played three games that first year. They're paying him, they're paying him almost $13 million a year on a contract, played three games because of the injury, then he opts out. So typically teams are going to, uh, the better player you are, the less likely they're going to go this route. But they went out and signed Bobby Massey and Cameron Fleming to play right tackle, so <laughs> they've, they've moved on. <laughs> if I'm him, I might be uh, turning my focus to the NFLPA <laughs> because but for listening to them I'm not in this predicament because I'm working out at the team facility and if I get hurt I'm covered I go on IR I'm getting my money and then if I have complications can't recover my injury guarantee could potentially kick in if my career's over then I have a year of injury protection a benefit under the CBA, that's all gone. Or I'm looking at I detrimentally relied on you guys for advice <laughs> that's gotten me to where I am. Because um, what I wonder is how thoroughly the NFLPA explain the downside or the negative consequences to their constituency. Um, I suspect it wasn't great. Otherwise, you have Patrick Mahomes coming out and saying they can take a contract away from working out. <laughs> But that may be the way for him to go. Uh, one thing Denver's not going to be able to get back, which I always thought was a long shot, particularly now, was going to be signing bonus. They, The way signing bonus is worded, you actually have to have a an ongoing breach. And since he's cut now, going back for the uh, $3 million in signing bonus peroration, seems like it's going to be uh, a non-starter. Because when you when you typically you cut a guy signing bonuses there's free and clear, <laughs> um, and he hasn't gotten to a point where for breach purposes he's not providing services, which would be starting at training camp. So 
that's out of the question. But we'll see if he files a grievance. Um, I suspect that the NFL PA will file a grievance on his behalf, partially because they don't want him turning their attention to their conduct. And it could be a way to try to induce some sort of settlement uh, from the Broncos. But this is not the last you've heard of this story either. Uh, Any grievance, 40% of the disputed amount will count on the salary cap. I'm assuming that that's going to be the $9.85 million. So that would be a $3.94 million cap charge until there's a resolution on Denver's cap. Should he decide? Should he decide to file a grievance? Hey there, it's John Kime of the John Kime Report podcast. I'm glad you're enjoying the Inside the Cap podcast with Joel Corey. When you're done, I invite you to listen to my podcast. Twice a week, my guests and I discuss the Washington Football Team and the NFL. The show features numerous NFL insiders, former and current players and executives, and taps into the insight gained in my 25-plus years covering this franchise. Check out the John Kime Report, another fine product offered by Empire Media. That's it for uh, this week's Inside the Cap. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter. That is Corey Joel, C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also my regular agent's take column at cbssports.com. Goodbye, and we'll see you next time.